1: number two of Extra Point on this July 20th. Bob Camp, Kayla Mortelaro with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays and Fridays. We'll take your phone calls if you'd like to chime in around 1115 today. The number is 602-260-1060 to join the program. But as we typically do to start things off for hour number two, let's reset the scene with today's poll question. It's an Arizona Cardinals poll question and it's should the the Cardinals try to trade Kyler Murray after the 2023 season, and we are now in a 50 50 split between yes and no.
0: This is uh, varied as far as the voters in the last three hours or so, you know, two hours plus uh, since the sports zone started. But uh, this uh, question, inspired by uh, Matthew Kohler, our frequent guest for several years now, covers the Vikings now with Purple Insider. And. Uh, he was talking. He was uh, you know. I think it was a chat, and then he did a, you know, a tweet or two or etc. About uh, the future of the Vikings quarterback situation. It seems unlikely that Kirk Cousins will ret- uh, return next season. So he breached uh, the question about uh, should they be interested in Kyler Murray. So hence our poll question.
1: We'll answer that today around 1130. Still time for you to cast your vote, KDOS1060.com. Flipping this on over to Twitter, at KDOSAM1060, Bob had a conversation with Wilson Alexander from The Advocate about the uh, LSU Tigers football team, if you missed it, podcast over at KDOS1060.com or with the KDOS1060 app. Here's the question. Did you think Jaden Daniels would be a good college quarterback after he left ASU? We're currently on a theme here, another 50-50 split between
0: yes and no. So this is kind of the honesty factor. You have to be honest what you thought when he left here, whether he'd be a good college quarterback. And uh, he was obviously a really good college quarterback, certainly in the second half of last season uh, when he uh, engineered a lot of key wins for LSU. They won the division. They won against Alabama, etc. cetera. And he was great in that game, especially towards the end of that game when they rallied. And he's expected to be, now remember, The SEC lost a bunch of top notch quarterbacks, you know, everywhere from Bryce Young to uh, Stetson Bennett. Yeah, Bryce Young won the Heisman, and Stetson Bennett uh, has won two national championships. So they're both gone. There's other quarterbacks that have also left, but it's now, I think, pretty much widely thought that, uh, you know, Daniels is going to be the best quarterback in the SEC this year.
1: Well, let's get into the SEC, and we'll start with LSU football here. They do open up the season September 3rd against Florida State. Uh, Ten wins for Brian Kelly last year in his first season with LSU, and we were talking a lot here about Jaden Daniels, just some numbers for you. Uh, 2,913 yards, 68.6% completion percentage, 17 touchdowns, just three interceptions. He also was the team's leading rusher with 885 yards on 180. 86 carries and 11 touchdowns on the ground. When it comes to Brian Kelly talking about his quarterback at media days this week here, quote, so what does development look like for him? I think it would be the natural progression from the last game in which he played where he was aggressive, but he was under control. He ran the ball when he needed to, but stepped up in the pocket and made the tight window throws.
0: And that last game last year was a bowl victory over Purdue. Uh, so, uh, I think you'd be out of your mind if you bet over. Was it ten wins? Whatever it is. Fanm right
1: now is nine and a half, uh, minus okay. one ten either way.
0: Okay, so you need ten wins. I, I think it's, it's, it's just look the schedule construction is difficult. Uh, they start the season. They lost at home. They're in the that was in the in New Orleans, technically in Louisiana. lost at home to start last season against Florida State. This year is the rematch. That game's in Orlando. It's not in Tallahassee, but it's in the state of Florida. And also, just in the month of September, they have road games against Mississippi State and Old Miss. And then later in the year, they have the rematch against Alabama, and that game's in Tuscaloosa this season. So it's a much more difficult schedule for LSU this year. And uh, if uh, they get 10 wins... Yeah, congratulations. I'm not racing to bet under this, uh, the nine and a half, but there's zero chance I would even think about for a second betting it over.
1: Uh, then you also just have more what's going on with LSU football though Uh, you know when you look at their secondary and just maybe how that defense has to improve teams converted 39 percent of third downs against LSU last year which was ranked 74th in the country they dipped into the transfer portal to try to shore up that secondary so you also have to wonder as well uh, you know the offense seems to be in a good place can the defense catch up and then just overall expectations maybe the expectations Weren't this high for Brian Kelly in his first year with LSU, but then he goes out and wins 10 games last year. So, where do things stand, do you think, expectation wise, for LSU, Brian Kelly's second year, and to kind of close that gap in the SEC?
0: Well, to close the gap, they won the division and beat Alabama last year and got into the conference championship game, so I'm not sure what gap is expected to be closed here, but. uh... I think it would be difficult for them to get over 10 wins. So it's a nine and a half wins. I got, it's 10 other places, so it's where I got confused. Uh, they do have five of their last six games at home. I would also completely throw out those defensive stats from last year because in the second half of the season, they were far better defensively once they figured out who really needed to be on the field. They've lost a bunch of dudes, but they've also, among other things, got Omar Spates, who Pac-12 fans are certainly familiar with because that guy was a tackling machine at Oregon State, and he's now part of LSU's linebacker corps.
1: Uh, LSU to win a co- win the college football playoff. The whole shebang, 12-1 uh, to make the college football playoff, plus 430, as we mentioned here, over 9.5 wins, minus 110, under 9.5 wins, minus 110. Let's continue on with some more teams around the SEC, and let's travel over to Alabama for Alabama football talk. It's Nick Saban's 17th season as the Crimson Tide head coach. Alabama has some decisions to make at the quarterback position nick saban at sec media days said quote we have three guys that are competing for that position right now i don't think anybody has actually separated themselves yet to this point and i don't think it's something that we're trying to rush so when it comes to who yeah. is battling for this it's red shirt freshman ty simpson redshirt sophomore jalen uh milrow and notre dame transfer tyler buckner
0: yeah, in fact uh Saban compared uh this quarterback battle is to uh to grandma Saban uh you know, baking a cake in the oven when he was a youngster. Uh that you know you know, she continually had to tell him, Well yeah I gotta wait and see what the pro- find finished product is here. We gotta wait till it's done. So he was uh yeah, you know, he explained that much much more humor and so forth or sarcasm than I did, but you get the gist. Uh, Alabama does have—I you know, just mentioned the LSU schedule. Alabama, their di- their most difficult games that you would th- at least you would think heading into the season that are their most difficult games are all in Tuscaloosa, home against Texas, the second game of the season, home against uh, Old Miss. That's also in September. So that's the Lane Kiffin, you know, the, the annual, oh, we're going to talk about Lane Kiffin against Nick Saban for a whole week thing. Uh, so that'll be again this year. Tennessee's at home and LSU's at home. The Tennessee and LSU games are consecutive games, but there's a week in between.
1: Uh, Then you also just have the fact that uh, there's a new offensive coordinator as well, Tommy Reese. And, you know, this is interesting to me when I look at Alabama football and I look at it underneath.
0: Who used to be be with Kelly at Notre Dame, by the way. That
1: is correct, (laughs) yes. Yeah. When I look at Alabama and I look at their football program under Nick Saban, obviously it's been just the defensive prowess of of the Crimson Tide. And and I would say, I hope this is fair to say, that he has won so often with just average quarterback play. And then of recent, we've seen this trend of some really stud quarterbacks that uh, Alabama has had. So now where they're currently at, there's maybe this kind of what is Alabama right now?
0: I think they run the ball. I think to go back to what they did before, uh, we mentioned the quarterback situation. We're not exactly sure how it's going to shake out. Their receivers, which were way down last year, which is a little unfair because, you know, their receivers in previous years, and I'm talking like half a decade or more, were unbelievable. And uh, almost anything would have been a little kind of a you know, disappointment last year. Uh, but the level of play definitely declined in that position. They did have a couple of injuries, too, which didn't help. Uh, but I think they're going to be a run first team more than we've seen in the last six or seven years. You know, since we had that like kind of run of quarterbacks with, you know, Jalen Hurts and, and Tua, then and Bryce Young and Mac Jones and so forth. So, you know, they had a nice run of quarterbacks there for several years.
1: Alabama to win the college football playoff is plus 600. To make the CFP is plus 155. Over 10 and a half wins, plus 148. Under 10 and a half wins, minus 184. Flipping this conversation over to Georgia football, we did have a brief conversation about them in Monday's show. They're eyeing up a three-peat opportunity. Uh, This is interesting. Somebody asked Kirby Smart at Media Day about a cupcake schedule, and uh, he just simply said, come play it. When it comes to Georgia, they also... They
0: have an an advantageous schedule as far as the SEC is concerned. They don't play... You know the brutal non-conference schedule, that, or at least at least one brutal non-conference opponent. Like you know, LSU uh, plays Florida State, Alabama plays Texas, and uh, there's no such play, no such team on that schedule for Georgia. You know, plus you can make a case that their their quote most difficult games, Tennessee's on the road, but their uh, their most uh, difficult opponents are, are all at home. Other than that, like that other than the Tennessee game.
1: It would seem likely that Carson Beck is the front runner to win that quarterback job. Uh, Brock Vandergriff and Gunnar Stockton also in competition there. Brock Bowers returning as tight end and likely going to be heavy, heavily involved no matter who the quarterback is. You also have Ladd McConkey returning as the best pass catcher from the wide receiver core for Georgia. Now the question here on defense, uh, how do you replace Jalen Carter? I'm sure there's just like a line of guys ready to go.
0: Not a problem there. I think also I beg to differ. I don't think there is any quarterback competition. Uh, Beck's been there for three or four years now. He was actually ahead of Stetson Bennett three years ago, and Beck had an injury situation, and Bennett uh, you know, jumped in front of him at, at that point and uh, obviously kept the job for two years and won two national championships. I think it would be a shock uh, if uh, Beck's not the starting quarterback uh, week one.
1: Georgia to win the CFP numbers plus 220 to make the college football playoff minus 210 over 11 and a half wins at plus 116 under 11 and a half wins is minus 142. Uh, Let's get into Florida football before we take a break, and then we'll continue with some more uh, SEC conversation as well. But Florida, they open up the season against Utah, this time in Utah. The big questions here are how is Florida going to replace Anthony Richardson at quarterback quarterback? Presumably, you have Wisconsin transfer Graham Mertz, but Napier uh, saying this week that it's a competition. It's what he the line he continued to uh, display throughout all of media days this week. You also have sophomore returner Jack Miller. Certainly, it's an understatement, though, how different Richardson's style of play would be compared to Graham Mertz.
0: Yeah, uh, true. Graham Mertz, not exactly my favorite quarterback of Wisconsin. I would be stunned if Florida were any good this year, and I mean any good uh, above 500. Any good? Uh, I think the best they could do is you know a six and six season. They also have a very difficult schedule. Yeah, I think they're going to lose at least three games just alone in the month of September. Uh, their first games at Utah. And that's the rematch. That's a revenge game for Utah. Uh, then they also, in the month of September, host Tennessee and play at Kentucky. I don't think they win any of those games. Later in the season, they play at South Carolina. They play at LSU. They're not going to be good this year.
1: Uh, yeah, that was kind of my question. What's realistic this season? If you look at what they did last year, 3-5 and five in SEC play and 6-7 and seven overall, the line is over 5.5 wins at minus 134, under 5.5 wins at plus 110. We'll take a break. We'll continue with some more uh, SEC schools on the other side of the break. You can also chime in if you'd like to, 602-260-1060. pose your position on our poll questions in addition to if you have something to say about the sec teams heading into this season feel free to chime in 602 260 1060 as it is now with the game ongoing in atlanta and the top of the eighth the diamondbacks are leading four to three uh turned
0: into home run derby here
1: (laughs) i was gonna say it looks like uh Olsen has homered, and Riley was on base, so he scored as well. So it's 4-3 to three here in the top of the eighth. Zach Gallen, uh still pitching his pitch count up to 99 right now. Uh, we'll have much more of the extra point, including your phone calls, 602-260-1060, right here on KDUS AM 1060. <laughs>
0: SB Nation Radio is now Sports Map Radio, keeping sports content fresh and fun. Join us right here on KDUS AM 1060. 1123 right
1: here on KDUS AM. 1060 on this Thursday, July 20th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you. Up until noon today, as we typically do, Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. We'll continue on with our SEC uh, football previews, but want to make note that all of a sudden, it's bombs away in Atlanta after uh, Olsen homered to left center and scored him and Riley in the bottom of the seventh. Here in the top of the eighth, Corbin Carroll has come back to hit a 431 431- Foot home run to right center, and so the Diamondbacks continue to lead five to three as things are heading into the bottom of the eighth. This game is speeding right along, I will say that.
0: Well, I mean, Gallon had a perfect game into the sixth inning, and you know, Strider had 13 strikeouts through six innings, so that helped. And uh, the ball's flying, but uh, you know, the first six innings of this game, nobody got the ball in the air. Since then, it's been bombs away.
1: We have the continuance of the SEC football conversation. Let's travel over to Tennessee. Uh, The excitement is real with Tennessee football, but now you have a major question. Who and how do you replace Hendon Hooker? Well, it's going to be Joe Milton. Milton getting tons of praise for his arm talent. I'm not sure that that has ever been lacking, Uh, but now you have to figure out how to put it all together. When you look at uh, what he did in 2022 in his opportunities, 53 of 82, 971 yards, 10 touchdowns, no interceptions. But here's what Josh Heupel said at media day. Another step of his growth from the end of the bowl game to where we've got to be when we kick off has to be with him understanding the pocket, what's happening with coverage down the field, being able to step up, escape the pocket, and create plays with his feet.
0: Those things have all been questionable in his career at Michigan. where he started his career and you remember, he was a starting quarterback before he basically lost the job to Hooker uh, at Tennessee. So he's got unbelievable arm strength, as you mentioned, no doubt there. Their schedule is, I think, pretty difficult. And the more difficult games for them are on the road, at least three of the four. Uh, whether you think Florida is difficult or not, that's uh, that game's uh, annually in the month of September. And that game's in Gainesville this year. They also have consecutive weeks. They play at Alabama and at Kentucky. And Kentucky, usually the most physical team in the conference. So playing uh, at Alabama and then at Kentucky the second week of those two straight games, I think that's uh, certainly, uh, I'm guessing that uh, you know, when Hypel uh, first saw the schedule, he kind of went, Ugh, really? We've got to play those teams in consecutive weeks on the road? And then they play in the next to last game of the regular season. They do have the game in Knoxville against Georgia. But uh, not exactly uh, of the teams we've talked about here so far. I think that they actually, well, LSU has a tough schedule, as I mentioned. But I think that Tennessee ranks second as far as uh, just the schedule construction and how difficult it could be for them.
1: They do open up the season against Virginia. You know, we spent a lot of time here talking about Joe Milton and the offense. Uh, the question as well, can the volunteers be better on defense?
0: Uh, that's a good question. I was never a buyer. I never bought into them last year. They were 126 in the country in pass defense a year ago. Part of that is because you know their run defense was pretty good. Another part of that is that they were ahead on almost every second of every game last season, and teams had to play catch up. But they were not good on defense last year. They just were so good on offense that they were able to kind of uh, you know, camouflage uh, the defense to some extent. Remember that Alabama game was 42 to 30, 42 to uh, 52, excuse me, 52 to 49. So it wasn't exactly a pitcher's duel there.
1: Uh, And just for numbers purposes here, over 9.5 wins, plus 146. Under 9.5 wins, minus 188. Ole Miss football, uh, more quarterback battles. You have uh, Spencer Sanders who transferred and according to Lane Kiffin, he is now 100% healthy from that shoulder injury that yeah. he had uh, back in Oklahoma State and then was also dealing with in the spring. Sanders will be battling with incumbent Jackson Dart and LSU transfer Walker Howard. Obviously they'll have uh, Quinshawn Judkins returning at the running back position. He had 1,567 yards. Right? <laughs> that guy's He's he really year. good.
0: Yeah, he's really good. And, uh, you yeah, know, Kiffin had his media day this morning uh, in uh, in uh, Nashville, and, uh, you yeah, know, that was a big part of the discussion. Also, Kiffin talked about how he's anti-transfer portal. I think that uh, – not exactly anti-transfer portal, but how the portal in the NIL situation has changed college football, and he didn't necessarily say that was for the better – which is kind of funny in a way because Kiffin has been the master of using the transfer portal (laughs) to his advantage and has this off season too. So he's taken advantage of the rules that are currently in place, even though he apparently is not completely in agreement with the way that the college football world has changed.
1: I was going to say replacing uh, Malik Heath and Jonathan Mingo at wide receiver. I thought they went to the transfer portal. It went to the transfer portal for some defensive help as well. Um, They ease into the season, though, with Mercer, then Tulane, Georgia Tech, and then it gets tough for them with Alabama and LSU back-to-back. They're sitting at over 7.5 wins at minus 118, under 7.5 wins at minus 104.
0: In in fact, they have at at Alabama, LSU, and uh, home against Arkansas three consecutive games. Later in the season, they play at Georgia. They lost the last four games of last season. Remember, they were rolling along. And they went into that LSU game and there was a genius on this show, uh, not named Kayla, uh, who thought that uh, Al- Old Miss would win that game against LSU and LSU beat them by 100. Uh, and after that, uh, LSU—excuse uh, me Old Miss did not win another game the rest of the season. They got with zero and four
1: to end the year. Uh, we'll stay in the state of Mississippi and we'll go to Mississippi State and obviously this is uh, a-, a lot to do with just the coaching situation, right Zach Arnett getting the head coaching job after the unexpected and sudden death of Mike Leach back in December. Will Rogers is returning for another year sophomore to junior year. Uh, statistically he had regression between those two years. You do have to wonder, you know what kind of style of offense? obviously Mike Leach being known heavily for the air raid will they continue kind of with that theme? Just, I think, a lot of question marks surrounding Mississippi State.
0: Yeah, I don't think they're going to do the air raid, but uh, Will Rogers, who's been there since, like, Will Rogers, the more famous Will Rogers was in movies and whatever. Uh, But, you know, the uh, current Will Rogers, the quarterback, has been there forever, uh, and he's going to set all kinds of SEC records because he's been there forever. And, of course, they've thrown almost every down forever with Leach. Uh, They have eight home games yeah, so I had gone through several of these schedules and talked about how a you know, you know, couple of the powerhouses have to play multiple games against quality uh, competition on the road. On the other side, I think the best thing about Mississippi State this year is the fact that they do have the eight home games in Starkville, which means you're going to hear the cowbells frequently.
1: Uh, Over 6.5 wins, plus 118. Under 6.5 wins, minus 144. Last school that I wanted to touch on, unless you're going to have any others after this one, Texas A&M how much pressure has ratcheted up on Jimbo Fisher. Obviously, a lot had been made about uh, him and the offense and just the the high recruits that come in and the splash that was made. And, and last offseason, we were talking about him and the feud with uh, Nick Saban as well. Well, now they've brought in Bobby Petrino to be the offensive coordinator. We still have no idea if Petrino is actually going to be calling the plays on game days. Uh, they also have decisions to make at quarterback and just kind of the unknown surrounding uh what they're able to do with these high quality recruits.
0: Well I think we have a pretty good idea that Petrino's gonna be calling the plays. Uh that was a big part of the uh I think that was Monday. I got all my days mixed up because it's the four days of the SEC media uh, for all week uh, you know, Monday through Thursday. I think that was Monday. Uh, but that was a big whenever he whenever Jimbo was there, that was a huge part of the conversation. And you didn't exactly say it, but I, you know, I can't imagine Petrino would be taking this job if he weren't calling plays. That's the first thing. Yeah, you know, they did have the nation's top recruiting class uh, for 2022. Those guys are, you know, the ones that stayed. They're all sophomores this year. Another team, though, that has a, uh, you know, some very difficult uh, games. I you know, certainly. Yeah, the schedule is not beneficial uh, if you just you know, kind of do the wins and loss thing and home and away, and you know, all whatever. Uh, they've got a, uh, uh, they have, uh, I think, the most brutal four or five game stretch of anybody in the conference, in my opinion.
1: They're over uh, seven and a half wins is minus 176, under seven and a half wins at plus 142.
0: Okay, sorry, I didn't, I, I was trying to find that one before I said it. Here's the five game stretch. They play first up they play against uh, Arkansas and Jerry World that's kind of the annual event these days. Then they have Alabama at home. They then uh, after that they go to Tennessee, play South Carolina at home and then they go to Old Miss. That's a 5 week stretch for A&M.
1: You know, if there's not like, if there's not more success this year for Texas A&M, uh, and obviously the massive contract that's associated here with Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M, is he the coach next year? Is he on the hot seat?
0: He's on the hot seat, but uh, you're going to pay the uh, – it's like an $85 million buyout. In fact, I have a note here, $85 million is the buyout.
1: I know it's Texas, but that's tough to swallow. A&M,
0: yep, A&M and uh... – Remember, you know Texas is joining this conference next year. So we, uh, the best thing I think about Texas and Oklahoma joining the uh, SEC next year is that Texas and Texas A&M, I assume, uh, are going to play again, which they have not since they split conferences.
1: It remains five to three. Oh, nope.
0: Not, not no, any,
1: nope, that just changed. It's now 6-5 to five Atlanta here in the bottom of the 8th. Looks like uh, Castro is in now pitching in the 8th, and he's given up a home run to none other than Austin Riley.
0: Who's now got, if I got my math right here, four home runs in three days? I think it's four home runs. In, and he would have been in a monumental slump before this series. Paul Even qu- before the All-Star break when the Braves were playing great, he was struggling.
1: Poll question time, and it's happening next here on KDUS AM 1060.
0: Have you downloaded the KDUS 1060 app yet? Download today and get all of your favorite local and national shows right on your phone.
1: AM 1060. It's Thursday. It's July 20th. Bob Cam, Kayla are with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays and Fridays as we were headed to break. We were establishing that the Braves had taken the lead on the Diamondbacks 6-5 and the home run fest continues as uh, now it looks like Matt Olsen has hit his second home run of the game and it's now 7-5 to five in the bottom of the eighth. They took out Castro and this was off of uh, Kyle Nelson.
0: That's true. Nelson's been really good. And uh, I think the one thing that's kind of lost in all the uh, euphoria of the Diamondbacks winning the last two days is their bullpen has been horrible uh, in this road trip. Uh, you know, they've given up. They gave up all the runs that they gave up in the 7th, 8th, and ninth innings. Uh, actually, mainly you know, pretty much the 7th and the 8th inning in Toronto. And obviously uh, it's gotten really bad here in, the, in this particular inning as the uh, as the Braves have four runs in the bottom of the 8th inning right now now of the 7-5 lead
1: Am I also uh seeing this right that all of this is being done with two outs
0: That I'm not positive about uh yeah it was a walk with two outs to Albies two-run homer by Riley and then the solo home run by El- by Olsen and this uh so but Castro got the first two dudes out Pain. uh but uh obviously it's been bad since then and yeah, castro has had a nice run of late uh he had some home run issues earlier this season and uh, that obviously has uh, hurt him today
1: uh now it's time for the poll questions and we'll get things started here with the kdos 1060.com poll question it's regarding the arizona cardinals and kyler murray uh here's the question should the cardinals try to trade kyler murray after the 2023 season yes or no
0: Uh, Yes, Uh, this is no surprise, I'm guessing, to anybody that's listened to this show since, like, the second year Kyler Murray was playing here. Uh, Not his biggest advocate, uh, let's put it that way, and now they got to pay him forever, uh, forever, like, through uh, 2027. I don't care, and I don't think that they really care if it's a big salary cap hit. I think that Murray would have to come back, and when he does play this season, have to be spectacular for them not to at least consider the situation uh... because clearly the diamond the uh, cardinals excuse me are correctly in my opinion uh... scrap you know, scrapping it in the starting over from scratch uh... so the that should include see what you can get for kyler murray at least try to trade him in the offseason if he's good this year if he's not good this year i'm not sure how much interest they'll be in kyler murray between the contract and his performance level so we'll see how that goes but Yes, uh, I don't think there's any doubt that they should try to trade him during the off season.
1: This is always an interesting situation for players, coaches, front office, et cetera, because you know he's the former number one overall pick this contract extension though didn't come from this front office it didn't come from this coaching staff yes it came from the same owner but there's obviously going to be an evaluation period here from the new coaching staff and from the, the the new front office and so they're going to be building something working together so now they're going to be feeling out kyler murray they're going to be feeling out you know whether or not he can kind of adjust and adapt to what they want to do schematically etc so there's going to be a lot that's going into all of this in addition to him trying to rehab and recover from his torn ACL so there's plenty I think kind of riding on how everything is interacting and what they think they can still you know kind of get out of Kyler Murray but you also can't forget that they've positioned themselves with options because if you look at you know projection wise what you think the Cardinals are going to be able to do win loss wise puts them in a pretty good position for a great draft pick first rounder next year in addition to that with the trade they made uh on draft night 1 they also own the texans first rounder for 2024 so they certainly have options that they're not cornered in to to make a decision one way or another uh, after this particular season also i was looking into what the cap consequences would be because of this match massive contract with kyler murray if they were to trade him after june 1st it has a 13 million dollar cap hit in 2024 and a 33.28 million dollar cap hit in 2025 if a trade happens before the june 1st designation and they want to they can take the full 46.221 million cap hit for 2024 that would be the large Cap hit ever. Uh, currently, I believe that designation goes to the Falcons and Matt Ryan from this past season. So they do have options ahead of them if they're just kind of thinking to themselves, let's let's rebuild entirely. Um, and I do think it's worth worth looking at because. Uh, you have the success that you have had with Kyler Murray. You've seen some of the limitations that you've had with him. So with your flexibility that you have, obviously no one wants to uh, have a cap hit this large, but you do have some options, and I think you have to put everything on the table.
0: Yeah, I think all that's really well said. I'll just add a couple other quick things here. I think the success with Kyler Murray was half of a season. Uh, it was uh, you know, when they had the, the last team that was undefeated. I don't think he was very good the rest of that season and quite frankly I think he's been overrated the rest of his NFL career to this point. I would advocate them taking the full salary cap hit and just uh, you know, move on. Uh, this is all the premise that yeah you know, he's good enough this season to be worth that the uh, you know, worth this you know have value and be worth trading to somebody else in the offseason.
1: The masses, though, have made a decision. I'm They're...
0: sorry, I got one more thing. Oh. I, I, one thing. One thing. I also think uh, that uh, I, didn't, I didn't mention, and I uh, don't think you did either. This all this new coaching staff and the you know, front office—they didn't draft him either, as opposed to you know this isn't their guy. They're not married to him or whatever. So as opposed to Kingsbury, certainly was to some extent. Even though I wonder if Kingsbury would now say, "Whoops, that kind of didn't work out." <laughs>
1: Uh, The masses have made a decision. They're now on the no side of things at 57% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 43%. This is the KDOS1060.com poll question. Flipping things on over to Twitter, at AM 1060 uh, Bob had a conversation with Wilson Alexander of The Advocate, talking all things LSU football. If you missed it, podcast, KDOS1060.com, as well as with the KDOS1060 app. But here's the question. Did you think Jaden Daniels would be a good college quarterback after he left ASU? I think for me... I thought that he certainly had the physical tools to be able to do it and that we certainly saw what he was capable of doing in a scramble setting. I I think it was about developing him as a passer, developing him as a quarterback, and I'm not sure that those fundamentals were being – facilitated to him uh in a way that he kind of understood in addition to that i'm not sure that it was the right system and the right coaching staff plus also looking at you know just the the players around him uh that also helps make you better but i i think that we saw growth and maturation throughout the season last year with lsu uh yes we know what he did he was the team's leading leading rusher he's capable of making those explosive plays and being a game changer then also being able to throw into some of those tight windows and use his mobility to move in the pocket I think it's all just about kind of the surroundings around him I think we saw uh potential but we never kind of saw it hit its peak here at ASU so I don't know that I saw um everything that we saw with him in year one with LSU and Brian Brian Kelly but I thought that it was certainly physically possible for him to achieve it
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting that we have – I really didn't intend to do this, but it just worked out that Murray and Daniels were the poll question topics today. Uh, There can't be too many people in Maricopa County that think less of uh, Murray as a football player than me, and there can't be too many people in Maricopa County that thought more of Jaden Daniels when he was here at ASU. Uh, I remember mentioning last year when it was announced or he announced or however it was announced that he was going to LSU, I just thought that would be a perfect fit. I never imagined he'd be as good as he was. He had a three-game stretch last year, including that, uh, that win against Alabama, which was amazing. We knew he could run. Uh, he still needs to develop some more accuracy, as we talked about uh, you know, with uh, with Wilson in, uh, the, during the sports zone today. Uh, Wilson Alexander from the Bad Rouge Advocate, uh, yeah, once again, who was tremendous. Uh, but he still needs to get a little better, get a little better at that. But you know, I thought he would be a good quarterback. Like I mentioned, I didn't think anybody really thought that he'd be this good. But uh, I was a big fan of his when he was here. Uh, he was a victim of many, many dropped passes and a really declining offensive line while he was here. The offensive line seemed to get worse almost every year while he was here. And he got hit more. And uh, that, I don't care who you are, if you're a quarterback that gets hit more, that's probably not going to be a good thing.
1: Uh, the mass is completely undecided here in a 50-50 split over on Twitter at AM 1060
0: He was not a well-liked quarterback by the time he left here. Uh, we took a whole lot of calls about you know, what's, what happened to him
1: you know it's it's an interesting situation because we have expectations and and maybe those are right or wrong with like the four star five star three star designations that players have coming into programs and there's just a lot that goes into the development of 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 all positions but especially of quarterbacks here and to always just put everything on the player uh, I, I think is unfair
0: the other thing is, when he was a freshman, remember he had all those comeback victories in the fourth quarter? Mm-hmm. Uh, including the Including, you know, one of the first games he played at Michigan State, and they had a tremendous defense then. Wasn't the Michigan State we've seen in the last, you know, two or three years, which they, you know, had a couple of pass rushers, and that if you, if they didn't get a sack, they were going to give up a big play. Wasn't that defense. So, like, uh, you know, maybe the expectations got a little out of whack, and it just seemed like uh, the uh, – The surrounding cast around him got worse and the offense went through some coordinators and I'm guessing that didn't help uh, Daniel's situation here either.
1: There's always just so much that goes into it, and we, we talk about it a lot, too, when it comes to, you know, when we get to the draft and where a player gets yeah. drafted and the situation that they go to. It's very similar yep. to, to college in those situations, and I know players get to pick where they go, but with the landscape changing as often as it does, I don't know that picking is really any necessarily better than just kind of where you go because everything is changing and evolving so rapidly.
0: Totally agree. Excellent point. Maybe the best point that anybody's made in this uh, radio station for the last three hours. I mean, <laughs> we've made a lot of good ones, and that, I mean, that, that might be number one.
1: We'll try to make a few more good points on the other side of the break. I,
0: I'm, I'm, done, I'm done with that. Oh, so I'm no more? Okay. Yeah, I'm done for the good points. Yeah. We'll,
1: uh, we'll do the final segment of this July 20th edition of Extra Point on the other side of the break, right here on KDUS AM 1060. Show Monday through Friday, 1 to 3
0: p.m. right here on KDUS AM 1060.
1: of this edition of extra point here on kdos am 1060 as always follow along with us online at kdos 1060.com and with the kdos 1060 app powered by superbook sports just a suggestion download the kdos 1060 app now register and follow along with the listener rewards for your chance at a 100 gift certificate from superbook sports that hap- that's happening now through the end of july but it's that time once again bob it is thank you time
0: as always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whatever, and uh, whatever slipped through the crowd. Kaylee, you ever had one of those moments where you've just got too many damn windows going on your computer? Yes. Uh, here. Okay. It's one of those times. For, here we go. Uh, also, our guests today, we thank them, LSU Football Preview. Uh, With Wilson Alvarez, he was tremendous from the Baton Rouge Advocate. I think they're going to be pretty good, so I'm guessing we will have Wilson on during the season. Also tomorrow, we'll conclude our week-long preview of the college football season uh, with uh, Texas, or is Texas back? The annual question, of which I almost always say, no, they're not. (laughs) But everybody thinks they are. Uh, But we'll talk Longhorns tomorrow to conclude the uh, week-long preview. Also, sound day courtesy of uh, CBS, ESPN, Major League Baseball, 98 Rock, and also Bally uh, Sports Sun. And then a special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us now what's coming up next.
1: That's right. Coming up next from noon to 1 o'clock, it is SportsMap Radio Network, followed by the Doug Gottlieb Show from 1 to 3, the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, and the SportsZoo with Dave Rooster-Beerstein from 5 to 6. Uh, it looks like here, the conclusion of the game for the Diamondbacks and the Braves came out on top 7-5. to five. Uh, Not the outcome the Diamondbacks were looking for, but at least it's a series win.
0: It is, and the Braves have actually now, after they had won, I don't know how many consecutive series, remember they were like 20-5 in their 25 games before the All-Star break? Might have even been better than that. Uh, they've now lost two consecutive home series, they lost a home series to the White Sox uh, coming out of the break in which they didn't play well, and they didn't play very well on defense in this series, even though they played better on defense today. But it helps when you're starting pitchers, uh, you know, Spencer Strider striking out 13 guys, that eliminates some of the defensive issues, uh, which are usually really good on defense. So, you know, that was a big surprise to me that uh, the Braves really, uh, and, you know, for the most part, uh, they have not looked like the team. They looked like they're still on. Been, been kind of never came back mentally from the All-Star break, even today. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, you know, I assume they get that straightened out. It's a 162-game season. Hell, even the Oakland A's had a good week, right? So it's amazing what can happen. Hot and cold stretches in baseball. All right. So there's that. I, I, I'm sorry about that. I went a little longer than I anticipated, but that happens all the time. Sorry. That's
1: all right. So that's a 7-5 to five <laughs> loss, though, uh, for the Diamondbacks today. The Open Championship, it's still underway. Guys are wrapping up their rounds from Royal Liverpool. Uh, Rory's still on the golf course. He's fought his way back to even. Uh, John Rahm still on the golf course. He's at plus two right now. Uh, Phoenix Mercury hosts the Chicago Sky tonight, 7 p.m. AZ Sport- AZ Family Sports Network. Also officially official now, the Suns have announced that the team signed Bull Bowl. According to Sham Sharania of The Athletic, they're reporting that the Suns are working on launching a new G League affiliate that could come as soon as the 2024 to 2025 season. We remember yeah,
0: they actually they have a G League team right now. It's their bench. <laughs> uh, just you know, sort of sarcastic comment. Maybe not totally sarcastic. Uh, you know, a lot of those guys should be in the G League.
1: Um, the real G League team though, the Northern uh Northern Suns there was actually sold to Detroit, the Detroit Pistons back in twenty twenty. Yeah. So they used
0: to play in Prescott Valley. Yes.
1: Yeah. in um, an arena
0: where my best friend like built the arena or guy he was the planning and zoning guy for uh for the uh Prescott Valley, whatever they call their you know city of Prescott Valley, town, whatever it is, and he was the one that uh Basically got that going and helped build up Prescott Valley, so if you think Prescott's gotten way too big and so forth, you can blame Greg Pfister. (laughs)
1: Uh, If this does come to fruition here, it looks like it's pretty well on track to come to fruition here. All 30 NBA teams will once again have G League affiliates. Uh, Then also Dan Patrick announced yesterday that he's going to be done with his talk radio show. Wait for it here, Bob. December of 2027. So mark your calendar for December. It's like Kyler
0: Murray's contract. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. As always, we appreciate you taking time listening to us here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's a Texas conversation, a Big 12 conversation in tomorrow's Sports Zone and Extra Point. We'll do it then.